With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to the England Show podcast on The Athletic. Coming up, we're going to look back on England's disappointing 0-0 draw with Scotland at Euro 2020. Football ain't coming home with that team, I can tell you. Not the way they're playing. Joined today by David Priest and the Athletics' Jack Pitbrook. It won't have been what Gareth Southgate or anyone had in mind last night, Jack. There's going to be a lot of negativity around it. You were there. Was it that bad? It was that bad in terms of an England performance, yeah. So as an occasion, I thought it was great. I thought Scotland were fantastic. I think I... Like a lot of people, massively underrated them, wrote them off. I thought they were really, really clever. I thought McGinn was great. I thought the uh, McTominay was brilliant defence. Hanley won everything. Gilmore is a genius. I think he's he's an amazing player to watch. And Dykes and Adams were a real handful up front. So fair, you know, we have to acknowledge just, just how good Scotland were. And frankly, they they made better chances in open play than England did. Uh, Adams especially. That said. England were really poor, really, really poor. They didn't look like getting in behind. They they only had one real chance, I think, which was the John Stones header against the post after 10 minutes. They looked short of ideas, not much energy, didn't change things in the second half. The subs didn't work. And, uh, yeah, just a pretty, a pretty disappointing, dispiriting evening at the office for England and one that raises a lot of questions about England's uh, abilities going through the tournament. Yeah, David... Tyrone Mings talked after the game about England lacking intensity. It's really strange, that. But why do you think that is? Sometimes it's just difficult to put your finger on it. But I think that um, I think all the talk before the game was about, especially from an England perspective, was sort of focusing on the processes of what, how they were going to approach the game and and not really sort of focus on that being uh, being drawn into a bit of a fight and a battle and and sometimes. You do need that sometimes, you know, when the fo- focus is solely on just what you're going to do on the pitch, you forget about what the other team's going to do. You know, and, and they've, they, Scotland played a big part in that last night. That um, I mean, I thought they were going to be overwrought, to be honest with you. When it, when it looked as if they were coming out on the pitch, I thought uh, England looked really confident. As it turns out, that sort of confidence was maybe a little bit of arrogance and a little bit of um, just thinking that they, they would just stroll it. And, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes you can be too confident where you you don't focus on what you have to do in the pitch and, and battle against them, against a really tough side, which um, which Scotland were last night. Yeah, Jack, let's go on to a few talking points. The first one is the main talking point in your piece is Harry Kane. What's going on? Yeah, I don't think Kane has really looked himself at all in the last two games. I thought his performance against Scotland was very similar to his performance against Croatia. I don't think he looks fully fit. He's not really that involved in the game and how England create chances. He, I'm not sure whether he's trying to play as a 9 or a 10. Like for Tottenham, Kane's got this amazing knack of being effective as both a 9 and a 10, whereas for England at the moment, he seems to be effective as neither. Like, you know, when England tried to get the balls into the box, he was losing out every time to Hanley and McTominay. 
when he tried to drop deep to get involved in the play, that wasn't really working out for him either. Um, there was one quite good pass out to Reese James sort of early in the second half on the right-hand side, which led, led to James having a shot. But the fact that Kane got hooked with about 20 minutes left when he's England captain... He's England's best player, and England needed a goal, and Southgate took him off, I think is damning. And it really shows that Kane is not himself at the moment. Southgate was asked afterwards in the press conference about Harry Kane, and Southgate kind of deflected the question and said, oh, you know, we've all got to look at ourselves. It's a whole team issue. It's not just one player. But it's pretty obvious just from watching the games that Kane is not anywhere near his best at the moment. And given what a big and important player he is for England and how everything goes through him that really does raise some questions about how England are going to cope because you can't really, you can't cope with your best player being this out of Nick. Yeah, David, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And, and I, I think going back to the Croatia game, I wasn't too worried because when you have, when he's playing in that role, like Jack says, was a little bit deeper and you've got other players going beyond them and they're being the danger. Then, then that's fine. You know, it, it's, it's acceptable that he's a bit quiet in games, but now, especially... Maybe this not this one because it wasn't really a, a must-win game. I think the pressure was off England this game because of the fir- the, the first results, uh, yeah. and and for me that's what I mean. I, I didn't I wasn't really that excited about the pre-match simply because there were you know we could go into a little bit more relaxed, but I think that um, you know once you start getting to those games when you need somebody like uh, Harry Kane to to win you the game then. You want them to be there, you know, and, and he just he just isn't at the moment. Yeah, if you do want to read Jack's piece, by the way, that's just come out this morning, all you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash England pod and you'll get The Athletic for the best price we've ever had, just a pound a month. So yeah, theathletic.com slash England pod and you can go and sign up today. Let's quickly, before we crack on, let's just let's hear from Gareth Southgate. Yeah, I think it was a frustrating night. I think we know we can play better. Um, we've got to give Scotland huge credit. They defended valiantly. They played well. Um, and in the end, we didn't do enough to win the game. If you're not going to win the game in a tournament, you've got to make sure you don't lose it. So we understand that it's a disappointment for our supporters especially. Um, but we've got to dust ourselves down and move on with the next game. No, I think uh, I think I know exactly where this team is. It's a very young team that played tonight and some of them won't have experienced tonight under that sort of intensity and pressure. So that's a, a huge learning for them. Um, what we've got to do is make sure that we improve for our next game. Jack, let's go back all the way back to the start of the team selection. There was a couple of changes at fullback for England. It looked a team that should have been capable of going out and causing Scotland problems and it, it didn't really materialise. But do you know the thinking behind the changes? Yeah, I think I think Southgate probably just wanted a bit more energy in those fullback positions. You know, obviously had Trippier and Walker there in the first game. Uh, both of them, I thought, played quite conservatively in that game. Obviously, uh, Trippier playing on his on his opposite side wasn't mm-hmm. really able to to get all the way down the line quite as quite as much as an orthodox left back would do. So with Shaw and Reese James in the team, the hope was that maybe the two of them would be able to be a bit more attacking. But they, I didn't think they never really got got around properly you know Scotland obviously had Andy Robertson at left wing back and then O'Donnell at right wing back who I thought was fantastic and uh, England could the England fullbacks could never really get in could never really get through like the the England's combinations in those positions weren't quite enough to um, to get the fullback into a crossing position there was one time I think early in the second half where Luke Shaw did spring through and he looked a little bit 
unsure about what to do and ended up whacking the ball miles out of play. Clearly, England were not good enough in those wide areas to get through, and that's something that Southgate pointed at in his post-match press conference. I did think, going into it, that England would try and be very aggressive from the start and try and win, try and win the game early on. And you could see that England, England probably played their best in the first sort of 10-15 minutes of both halves. They had a lot of energy and a lot of positivity, did create a few kind of half openings. But what was telling to me was that in both halves, England started really fast. And then the more Scotland settled into it and the more Scotland got control of midfield and settled in their back five, England just couldn't get... England could not get through. And Scotland grew into the first half and got better and better as that went on. And then they grew into the second half and got better and better as that went on. And England didn't have the intelligence to ask Scotland any different any different questions or didn't have the, didn't have the ability to take Scotland anywhere they didn't want to be. And that, I think, is pretty bad. And it does, you know, you can point your finger at Southgate or at the individual players on the pitch, but it was uh, it was not a good evening at the office. No, I mean, when I think about it with a more reasonable head on this morning than I had on last night when I was watching a game at a friend's house, you've got to give the Scotland back five credit because, as you say, they completely snuffed England out. I mean, O'Donnell was awful against Czech Republic, but like you say, absolutely brilliant against England. Tierney being back for Scotland, I think, was a really big thing and that, and that really added to them, David. But then England should have should have enough really to, to to create more to make more happen. But we do have to reluctantly give Scotland credit, don't we? Not even reluctantly. I'm coming out after the game and and sort of looking back at it, my first thought was you have to give Scotland credit. You have to give Steve Clark credit for the, the for their performance um, and the, the way that they'd, that they improved from even for. I don't think they were that bad against Czech Republic actually, but they they definitely improved from that as well, and they'd learned from that game. I, I just thought with England it was going back to a, to a time when we started to try and play passing football and it's all a bit pained by numbers. It's all a bit, um, it's turgid, it's slow. You're just going from side to side without a lot of a lot of purpose. And that's why I just thought, I mean, even before the game, I thought that it might develop like that and you need a ball carrier in the team. You need some like a Grealish, somebody who you could see the sometimes when we were trying to break through the middle, you know, that's the way the game was going. It was going to become a ball carriers game. And if there was anybody who was going to do that and then was going to create something, it was going to be Jack Grealish for me. And I think that, you know, his introduction, what was it? Still with 30 minutes to go, 25 minutes to go. It was still, it was still too late. David, would you have had Grealish on a bit earlier? Because I thought... I agree. I agree with what you say, but I don't think Grealish really improved England that much. Maybe he doesn't have enough time. Maybe it's difficult coming into a game like that when you've only got twenty-five minutes left. But he uh, maybe if he'd come on earlier, it might have made a bigger difference. But I thought when Grealish did come on, it didn't really didn't really improve England. No, and, and that was the. I mean, you know, by the time you make the, the subs in the second half, that's the state of the game. It's you get to that point where Scotland have um, they've got their game plan and they're doing it well. And then so then they're, they're more in the rhythm and it's probably harder for Jack to come in and break that up as well. But it's um, I, would, I would have liked to see him from the start regardless. Jack, I thought it was that he came on for the wrong person, Jack Grealish. I think in a game like that when Scotland was sitting so deep, I think Phil Foden was arguably the, the other player that was most likely to make something happen. You know, Sterling's in the team to get him behind and make things happen. But there, there, there was no room to get him behind. I thought, again, I thought it was strange when Rashford came on for Kane because Scotland are so deep. Surely Calvert-Lewin holding the ball up is going to be of more benefit at that point than Marcus Rashford because there was just no room in behind anywhere. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think Rashford 
Rashford for Kane really worked at all. And you're right, it's not... I mean, Rashford doesn't really play as a nine that much for United. No. And yesterday, there wasn't really that much room for him to run. Like, he's a running behind guy. He's not a target man. And um, there wasn't really that much room for Rashford to run into. I think Calvert-Lewin would have been good because he's, you know, he he is a good old-fashioned number nine. He's very... He can he wins it in the air and he can hold it up. And given that Scotland were getting forced deeper and deeper and that, frankly, he couldn't really win anything up against Hanley and McTominay in the middle. Maybe if they put stuck Calvert-Lewin up, I know it's not really the Southgate way, but maybe if they stuck Calvert-Lewin up there and just got the ball up into him early, then maybe England might have been able to create something a bit better. But I don't think the changes worked at all. And um, yeah, in terms of taking Foden off, I don't know. Like, I love Foden and he has some... There were, as ever with Foden, there were two or three moments yesterday where he would produce a bit of skill and everyone would be like... How on earth did he do that? Like he, he is a really magical player, Foden, in terms of what he can do on the ball. But I'm not sure it massively work. I'm not sure he's massively working in the system at the moment. I don't really know what he's in the team to do. He kind of, he kind of, clock, you know, because he's obviously coming in from the left. He kind of comes into that sort of mount position, and he can get a little bit clogged up in there. And he's not. He kind of worked a few good combinations with Reese James in the first half, but. Um, I can kind I can kind of just about see why he took Foden off as unpopular as that was, but um, yeah, maybe maybe it should have been Grealish earlier, maybe Grealish for Sterling, and yeah, I would have put Calvert Lewin on for Kane. Uh, I think you know it's not the South, it's not the classic Southgate way of playing, but I think it, if England needed a winner, I think Calvert Lewin would be more likely to help us get it. Yeah, David as well. You've got Jaden Sancho sat on sat on the bench. You, you're allowed to make five subs. England have only made two. We've stayed with the two defensive midfielders for the duration of the game. You know, there's options there on the bench. Arguably, you should be making use of them. Yeah, exactly. And I think I was, was said quite early on yesterday about the um, you know about two defensive midfielders and. and <sighs> I think Gareth's been quite good in, you know, we're talking about being a, a tournament manager um, and, you know, getting used to really coming into his own when, in, this, in these tournament times. And um, and you're talking about Calvert-Lewin coming on. You sometimes, you, you've got to do what the game requires of you. You know, not, not always go to this plan where like, this is going to play and then this doesn't work. That Do what, the, you know, do what the game asks of you. And if that required Calvert-Lewin, then, you know, so be it. That's be a little change there, whatever it takes to win the game, because it was clearly wasn't working before that. Jack, has Southgate got a job on his hands to keep all the players happy? You think Sancho wasn't even involved in the squad in the first game, didn't get on in the second. There's so many options to choose from. And when you're only making two subs in a game that you draw nil-nil, you know, players are probably secretly asking a few questions. Yeah, I'm sure they are. And yeah, it's hard for Southgate because he didn't want a 26-man squad, but he's got one and that means no. he has to he has to let down three players every game by not even putting them on the bench. But it's, um, you know, in the last World Cup, I think he actually managed this pretty well and managed to keep all the players happy. But this time, I mean, I, I mentioned in my piece that I know that some of the players were asking questions afterwards about why England ended the game with Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips still on the pitch while they were chasing a goal. And I'm sure there's a lot of players who are probably pretty annoyed right now that they didn't get on, they haven't been involved yet. You know, the uh, players who might have expected to be more involved at this Euros and they haven't been. So it's going to be tough. But really, the only, I mean, the answer for South, the way you keep players happy is by winning, ultimately. It's not by, uh, it's mm. not by playing all the players. And clearly, Southgate needs to do something a bit different because if you look at these two games in combination, the Croatia and Scotland games, in which he's played 
basically the same team except for the fullbacks. How many chances did an open player being actually created? Like obviously Sterling, you know, you got Sterling's goal set up by Calvin Phillips in the first game, but it's not like England created a huge amount in open play in that first one. Obviously Foden hit the post early on. In the second game, they didn't create anything really in open play. And that suggests to me that even though it looks good on paper, that, that front four combination of Sterling, Mount, Foden and Kane isn't quite working. So the big question really for Southgate is who do you pick differently in the next time? Do you, whether it's Rashford, Grealish, Sancho, or whether you make a change in midfield with maybe Jordan Henderson coming in or Jude Bellingham. You know, There's lots of different possible answers out there for Southgate, but I think he's, he's basically got until Tuesday evening to find a better combination that can um, create a few more chances somehow. Yeah, David, his plans have probably gone out the window a little bit as well because you imagine he would have wanted to rotate reasonably heavy, heavily going into that Czech Republic game, but he needs to find a winning combination now, like Jack says, and he, he won't be able to rotate and maybe rest some players that he was planning on resting. No, and I think, you know, it's, it's funny we go back to the, the last game when we're talking about, oh, well, maybe, the, you know, the, the rest players for this game and, and taking things a little bit for granted and... and uh, and what Jack said the, the last time we were speaking about, um, you know, you or, or I think, oh, you might put me on Twitter about, you know, how it, we, we it's like it's uh, we got a moral duty to to try and win every game and, and not try and take things for granted and pick and choose how we're going to finish in the in the group. But I just think that um, it, again, it's a, it's just a another game where they they have to just fully focus on winning. You know, there should be no other thought about it. Just focus on winning that game. Do what needs to be done. Don't worry about giving people time or the minutes here, minutes there, and and think of the future. Just win the game. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I don't. I think we've all been a bit a bit ridiculous ever since the Croatia game about you know we're going to make mass changes to Czech Republic and we're going to carefully manage our way through the tournament and we want to play. We're going to choose when we play France and we're going to choose when we avoid this game and. And all the rest of it. I, you know, England have not earned the right to do that, clearly. I think England have lost the right to do that by failing to beat Scotland last night. Um, so they have to beat Czech Republic. Czech Republic, we know, are a really good team with some very dangerous players. They can't, you know, they can't make... Se- Remember in 2018 when England played Belgium in that dead rubber game in Kaliningrad and Southgate made eight changes? England cannot afford to do that mm. uh, on Tuesday night. It has to be a proper team. And they have to play better, you know. England can't... It's not like a situation where England can afford to play a bit worse because they won two games. They have to play better than they did in the Croatia and Scotland games against Czech Republic. Um, what exactly that looks like in terms of who plays, I don't know. But that's uh, that's what Southgate has to figure out. But it's uh, I think we I hope that we can put to bed all this nonsense about you know choosing our perfect way through the tournament or who do we want to play and when you know England England we, we England do not have the right to talk that way no I mean they, they don't at all do they Jack because arguably England's best player was Jordan Pickford and that in itself is a concern yeah Scotland's created chances you know Dykes and Adams were really really good they worked so hard like Dykes is you know not the most talented centre forward I've ever seen but he's a bit of a hand handful. Actually, strangely enough, he reminds me of Connor Salmon. He's played for Wigan Athletic, and oh, yeah. uh, and uh, Adams works really, really hard. And you know, they had a quite there quite a few moments. So Adams in the first half, he had that shot that Stones blocked. Then there was the one where uh, I forgot who it was. Some a pick was saved, and then it came out to Adams, and Adams couldn't quite control the rebound. And then the second half. They went close together. And on another day, Scotland easily could have scored one of those chances. They had about four half chances. 
and Pick, yeah, Pickford had to do a lot of work. Unfortunately, like Pickford, as we talked about before, is really reliably good for England. Whatever you say about his how he does for Everton, he's never let England down. Pickford, um, and Pickford had to bail England out quite a few times. And Stones had to throw his way in front of a few things. And there was that moment in the second half, remember when Mings Mings kind of lost his footing on the wet grass, and Stones had to scramble back to cover. And so England did not look very assured. But then you know. If England had won, then I'm sure they'd think about bringing in Harry Maguire to see how he does. And maybe there's an argument for bringing in Maguire because he's just better than the, than what we've got at centre-back. But given the pressure on that game, would you want to bring in someone who hasn't played since, what, he got injured on the 9th of May, I think it was, so like six or seven weeks ago? It's another huge call for Southgate, whether or not to risk bringing Maguire back in for the Czech Republic game. Um because you know, somebody made the point to me earlier on Twitter, I forgot who the name was, that maybe if Maguire's in the team, England could maybe defend a little bit higher up the pitch than they do under Mings, and that'll help you know put a bit more pressure on the opponent, and may, maybe that'll help them to create some more chances. But and maybe that would help with the balance of the team. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, the the defense, even though we haven't conceded yet, it, we didn't look as solid yesterday as we did against Croatia. I think. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is The England Show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with all of our Euro 2020 podcasts and writing by following us at The Athletic UK. Dave, you talk us through that big Pickford save then the one from O'Donnell that, that went across him. That is a that is an unbelievable save because I imagine he's seen it quite late as well. It's come through a few bodies. It's in the wet as well. I mean, you're the goalkeeper, so you're no better than me. How much difference does it, does it make in a game, the grass being wet like that? Because that came at him at some pace as well. It was a little bit of a concern sort of pre-match. Of course, you're used to playing those conditions, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't make them any less difficult. It was a brilliant save. And, and especially, you know, from where Jordan's been in the last sort of 12 to 12 months, two years, and the way that his performances have been, I think for, for me, it was nice to see him be the mature one last night. Be the one that was telling everyone to calm down. You know, when there was little bits of instant, uh, little bits of pressure from from Scotland, and they were, were given corners where he's trying to tell everyone to calm down. I think it's um, it's, a, it's a real sort of progression for him because it was always a worry, obviously, about his uh, his temperament. But it was yeah, it was just a brilliant save. You know, a big strong hand out out his right hand side, getting the ball out of danger. I know that. I mean, somebody commented on Twitter saying that the, on commentary, I think he was criticised for not putting it. Far enough uh, out of danger for uh, for for Lee Dixon's uh, liking, but I think that yeah, it, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm actually going to get a petition together to stop Lee Dixon talking about goalkeeper. Save it until that Parliament. It, it it was a really good save, and like I said, it's it's good to see him being the the more mature 
presence on the pitch and, and when things are getting a little bit hairy, you know, the last thing you want is somebody screaming in your ear as a defender, like, you know, and, and making people panic even more. Yeah. Jack, I was going to ask, it's probably a silly question. I was going to say, was the weather a bit of a leveller? But then I'm thinking back and Gilmore was probably the best player on the pitch. So the best user of the board as well. So trying to blame the weather in, in my head is a bit stupid, actually. Yeah. I mean, Gilmore didn't look at all troubled by the uh, by the conditions. He's, he's an amazing player. Like he's got this kind of like, I don't know how best to put it. He's got this kind of like Marco, Marco Verratti quality, this sort of wriggliness, yeah. ability to take the ball under pressure. And there are times when Mount, you know, is not, not that old, but obviously a more experienced player ahead of Gilmore in the pecking order at Chelsea where Mount was kind of chasing after Gilmore, Gilmore would just spin away from him. Uh, he, I thought it was an incredibly brave and skillful performance from, from Gilmore. Uh, if there was a leveller, I think maybe the leveller was the crowd. You know, this meant to be a home game for England, but I don't think the crowd really worked in England's favour. Obviously, there was a lot of Scotland fans there who were very, very loud and very impressive, but I actually think the crowd seemed to be stressing the England players out a bit in the second half. You know, they would they booed them off at half-time. In the second half, when you get Mings and Stones passing the ball to each other, the crowd would boo that as if they wanted the England to hoof the ball forward. And um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think maybe in a Premier League, uh, sort of big six Premier League game, the crowd might be a little bit more patient with the defenders trying to keep the ball to start a move off. And uh, then obviously the fans booting off at the end, which wasn't helpful. And Southgate didn't criticise the fans afterwards, but I didn't. It was hard not to. What it reminded me of was that I mean, a, a lot of things about the game reminded me of England nil, Algeria nil at Cape Town in 2010. I'm going to say that to you earlier. It's exactly uh, the same. When Rooney came off and said, "Oh yeah, nice to hear your own fans booing you," and it did remind me a bit of that. You know, obviously England, were, obviously England were bad, but I don't. <sighs> fans pay the money they have a right to do what they want but I don't think it was necessarily helpful to boo the England players off and I don't think that the England fans attitude when Stones and Stones passes the ball to another defender is very helpful either I think it's just uh, I feel like it's slightly counterproductive Jack just staying with you because you were obviously at the game George Colkin's done a piece this morning I'm just looking through all the different things that have come out on the athletic this morning and there is a lot of England content obviously George Colkin's done a piece about England lacking leaders on the pitch was that something that was visibly a problem for you watching the game? I'd be lying if I said that stood out to me at the time as an issue. I thought England just lacked a bit of intelligence and skill. Uh, I don't know how much it was down to, to leadership. That said, England obviously, you know, England's most vocal leader on the pitch isn't Kane, it's Henderson, and Henderson isn't playing. And maybe if Henderson had been on the pitch, he would have been able to give them a bit more drive, a bit more decisiveness, which is something Southgate said they lacked, maybe a bit more intelligence in how they tried to create chances. Uh, because, you know, the uh, Foden and Mount, who bear a big creative burden in this team, are very young. So maybe having Henderson on the pitch would have helped in that regard. And Kane, for all his strengths, Kane's not a very vocal leader. He's more of a sort of lead-by-example guy, I've always thought. Maybe that's right. Maybe they did miss the sort of leadership skills of Henderson, although I think a lot of it is just kind of technical. Like, I just think England didn't play well. Yeah, as I said, there's a lot of England content out this morning. So if you want to read all them, all you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash England pod and you'll be able to sign up for our best ever price of just a pound a month. David, I, I mean, you obviously I know now that you were watching on ITV. Did you hear Graham Souness after the game? Did you hear his quote of football ain't coming home with that team? I can tell you. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, can, I can see exactly what he means. I mean, I'm not going to go too overboard about how bad the performance was or how um, you know, how bad a result it could be for for England. I think it's you know four points after two games. You know, if you, if you if we drew against Croatia and beat Scotland, we'd still be in the same position. We'd probably be happier. Yeah, we probably got a little bit too hyped up about the after the Croatia game as well. I think we. 
I certainly thought it was just a solid performance and that we'd, you know, we just shared done enough to just to just to win the game. But I think that um, you know, I'm, I'm no more hopeful or, or no no less. I'm going to put this. You're no less hopeful. You're no more pessimistic. Is that right? exactly? Yeah. This change, this Scotland game hasn't changed anything for me. You know, and I, I think that I still think as soon as we go into the knockout stages, I think we still think we're in big trouble. Jack, would you go along with that? England facing anyone good off the back of that performance now? Would it worry you? Yes. Yeah. I don't think England can beat a. I don't think England can beat a good team. Uh, you know, Croatia were not great in that first game. I thought England played fine against Croatia. But, you know, you're watching so far Belgium, Italy, France are definitely much better than England. Portugal are probably better than England. Germany are... Germany were okay in that France game, I suppose. I don't... I think England will lose to a proper team fairly quickly because England just don't really create enough chances. And I think a, a good team, you know, a team with an attack like France or Belgium could get at our defence. Uh, so yeah, I'm still. I've always said sort of last sixteen quarterfinals for this for England at this Euros, and that still feels about right to me. Oh, it's all gone a bit grand soonest on this podcast. Football, football. I just I certainly don't feel like football's coming home now on this podcast. But Jack, I'll start with you again. Let's say now. I always find these hard to do picking what team you think England should go with on Tuesday because I have in my head what I what I think, and I know it's a million miles away from Gareth Southgate. So. What would you do if you're the manager going into Tuesday? Okay, so having spent the last, the first few podcasts saying he's not going to make a lot of changes, it's not it's not right to make changes. You know, you've got to keep a settled team. I'm going to do a complete 180 and make tons and tons of changes. So I'm going to bring Carl Walker back in at right back. I'm going to go for Ben Chilwell at left back. I'm going to bring in Harry Maguire for Tyrone Mings at centre back. I'm going to. Um, you know what, I'm actually not going to bring in Jordan Henderson. I do think we've got the right balance in midfield, even though it didn't work. And I don't think Henderson can be fully fit and not having played since February. But then I'm going to stick with Harry Kane up front. But I'm going to... I'm not going to bring in Grealish. I'm going to bring in Jaden Sancho for Phil Foden. And I'm going to stick with Raheem Sterling on the left. I'm not going to put in Grealish or Rashford. So yeah, I guess my team is what? Pickford, Walker, Stones, Maguire, Chilwell, Phillips, Rice... Sancho, Mount, Sterling, Kane. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know, isn't it? Because there is a, a danger of making too many changes and then making yourself even more disjointed, David. What would you be doing? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd stick with the, the first, same first seven um, players as Jack. You know, I think Maguire comes in, you know, gives you a bit more with the ball at the back than, than Tyron Mings does. Uh, I, like, I really like Chilwell. I thought he should have been starting start left back anyway. Um, Kyle Walker as well. Two midfielders, same. But I'd go. I'd, I'd keep. Uh, I'd keep Ford and I'd just bring in, uh, in Grealish, uh, bring in Grealish for uh, for Sterling and play both uh, Ford and, and Grealish together. Interesting. Interesting. I think. If I was pushed, I think I'd have Trippier at right back because I still think he's just about the best right back that we've got and I like his dead ball delivery as well. I wouldn't really make any other changes to the back four and the goalkeeper or anything like that because I I look at it and I don't think defence has been a problem. So Phillips and Rice probably keep their place as well. I'd been Grealish in the left and probably shift Sterling to the right, leave Mount behind Kane as well. I just think you need your your better players on the park. But I'd definitely be having Jadon Sancho on the pitch at some point. I, I find it bizarre that he didn't even get on last night. I, I can't get my head around that at all. And arguably Bellingham could have got on as well. But we've already been through that. All that's left to do is thank you two for coming on this morning and chatting through the game with me. I've got to say, I, was, I wasn't looking forward to reliving it particularly this morning, but it hasn't <laughs> been too bad with you two. So, so thanks very much. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Right.
Right then, so that does us. We'll be back on Monday where we'll be bringing you a special mailbag edition of the England show on The Athletic, but it is going to be an exclusive one just to subscribers to The Athletic on UK Audio Plus via Apple Podcasts. You'll be able to hear it as well if you are a subscriber to The Athletic. It'll be ad-free and we'll be answering all your questions, so get them in via The Athletic now if you want to get the guys' opinions on Monday. Thanks ever so much for listening to The England Show on The Athletic. Have a great weekend. Cheers. The Athletic.